Hey, everybody. I'm starting to wish that I was a free agent. You know what I mean? I've been reading all of these big contracts that the athletes are signing. Don't you wish you were so invaluable at your work, your boss would actually sign you to a big contract? We're talking about that next right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. A new account of the raid on Osama bin Laden's compound tells a different story than what was reported to the public. A Navy SEAL who took part in the raid that killed bin Laden says the terror leader apparently was shot in the head as he looked out his bedroom door. That contradicts official accounts describing him as being shot after ducking back into his room, possibly reaching for a weapon. Former SEAL Matt Bissonette describes the raid in Pakistan under the pseudonym Mark Owen in No Easy Day. It'll be published next week. It may again raise questions about whether the raid was intended to capture or simply kill bin Laden, though Bissonette says the SEALs were told to capture him if he surrendered. Brian Thomas, Washington. Vice presidential nominee Paul Ryan will be addressing the Republican National Convention this evening. Mitt Romney's running mate will get his biggest audience yet here in Tampa, a primetime speech a night before Romney himself accepts the nomination. Senator Marco Rubio serves with Ryan on Capitol Hill and tells CBS this morning he's excited for the nation to get to know Ryan the way he does. This is a guy who's in politics for the right reasons. And I think at this time tomorrow, he's going to have a bunch of new fans across this country. The Romney camp wants Ryan to tell more of his own story tonight and play up his small-town Wisconsin roots instead of just focusing Focusing on policy, but there will be plenty of material about the economy. Sagar Megani, Tampa. The Gulf Coast is taking a beating as Hurricane Isaac has seemingly stalled over many of the seaside towns. Hurricane Isaac continues to lash the Gulf Coast in Biloxi. Trees are in motion, the sea is covered with white foam, and there's a lot of coastal flooding. Water being driven by the powerful winds of the storm that isn't moving very fast and means a period of prolonged agony for those who have to endure it. Tony Winton, Biloxi, Mississippi. West Nile virus has been exploding in the U.S. this year with possibly more cases than ever before by the end of the year. The CDC's Dr. Lyle Peterson says the U.S. is on track for a record number of West Nile virus cases this year. We think the numbers may come close to or even exceed the total number reported in the epidemic years of 2002 and 2003. The increase just since last week is stunning. A 40 percent increase. The total so far this year has surpassed 1,500 confirmed cases of the mosquito-borne disease, the most for this point in the year since the virus first appeared in 1999. There have been 66 deaths from West Nile disease reported so far this year. I'm David Melendi. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Matt Townsend, your life coach, your guide on the side. We do what we can on this show Every day of the week here to bring you some uh, ideas, some tools to give you a leg up in life. Hopefully uh, let you get a, get ahead in your life. And today 
is not going to be different. We are going to give you some tools and bring in an expert that can help you with a little career coaching as we try to figure out how to, um, I don't know, be a free agent maybe. Uh, Maybe that's asking for too much to try to get uh, the free agent salaries that some of these people are getting. Uh, I don't know if you heard this, but there was a major movement in the pros um, with a bunch of Red Sox players going to the Dodgers. And they're sending, Boston is sending Adrian Gonzalez, Carl Crawford, Josh Beckett, all to the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Red Sox are going to end up saving $261 million in salaries through 2018. And um, they're, and that's, you know, that means when it comes right down to it, this is one of the biggest, I guess, I don't know if they're free agent, but biggest trades in uh, in the history of baseball. And I think probably professional all professional sports. So, boy, how would it feel to be so good at what you do that not only are you just not surviving in this crazy economy, that you were thriving, that you that you were getting the job opportunities you needed, that you were getting what, you know, what you thought you deserved. There's so many people I think in today's economy that are feeling underemployed, meaning they have the tools, they have the skills, they have a lot of history, a lot of experience. Maybe they've lost their job and now they're just trying to fill the gaps financially with any job they can get. Today, we're going to be bringing in um, an expert who's going to give us some tools, some ideas in uh, in how to actually make sure you get ahead in your job, how to how to create a better atmosphere for yourself, how to be a better employee, how to how to basically not schmooze, but how to create a relationship that's better with your boss so they actually know what you're doing. And, and just some, some powerful ideas like that. Her name is Jennifer Armitstead, and she's a career coach, does a lot of um, coaching of corporates, corporations, and, and people like that. She hosts her own radio show as well. Just wonderful, wonderful person and tons of ideas. So we'll be picking her brain. And a lot of this comes from the fact yesterday, uh, BYU Broadcasting, the the larger organization that BYU Radio is under, we had a kind of a corporate meeting where we took all of our employees, went off site. And it was fun for a day to just sit back. And this was because I'm relatively new to the whole organization. But to see all of the talent that's in one location – it's a place where, you know, BYU Television, BYU Radio, all of these other entities, the digital side of our organization um, can get together and show what's going on. BYU Sports, the, the people that host all of our football games and other athletic events, it's pretty powerful. Now, what was amazing, though, for me is to sit back and watch, um, for example, some of the programming that's coming up on uh, BYU Television for the fall season. They let us all just sit there and we watched some of the shows and I was blown away at some of the talent and some of the fun things that are coming on BYU TV. And just to see and to understand better and to sit by the rest of the people on the radio side and to to hear their concerns and to listen to our director as they share the importance of budgets and all of that. Anyway, it wasn't, you know, it's not just kumbaya, but what I think, what I learned was it's so much about relationships. There's so many people I met that I didn't even know before uh, this meeting. And now with these relationships, there's so much more we can do together as a team. They even had um, Stephen uh, M.R. Covey, Dr. Stephen Covey's son, who wrote a book called The Speed of Trust, came and spoke to our group as well. Fascinating, fascinating, I think, experience. And what they basically was talking about is that having a really good trusting culture pays off. 
And uh, so maybe that's one of the things I think we're going to be able to get into with Jennifer as she comes on in a minute is uh, how we create better relationships with our bosses, how we how we basically show our goods, show the wares and, and be able to get to get those ideas out there. So we're going to get into that, spend a lot of time with her, get some ideas. We're also just going to be kind of covering different sides of of employment, for example, retirement. If you're a guy out there, let's say 20 something years old, you hear, you know, the economy's struggling, our 401ks are dying, all these things are going on. Does retirement even resonate? You know, it's nice to get some time off, but how much is too much? Our producer, Bryce Tobin, is not convinced that retirement is such a great idea, and he'd love to tell us about it. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. When it comes to doing that self-evaluation where we wonder if we are where we want to be in our career, what are we really asking? I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that for most cases, you're really wondering if you're on track to retire when you want to. But have you really thought about retirement? And by that, I don't mean how you plan to get there. Is it really a good idea? Here's some of the questions that I've had. Why are we setting some magical age for retirement? Stateside 65 is our age, which is pretty typical. But what is 65? Are you suddenly made incapable of working? Do you suddenly not generate any costs? No. All it means is that you've swung around our sun 65 times and you've managed to avoid your demise, which, by the way, high five for that. So who's at that magical age right now? People born in 1947. For that time, life expectancy was somewhere around 60 to 68, based on information I found on the internet in less than 14 seconds. So the fact that the number 65 has been drilled into their brains makes sense. But we don't live in a static world. We're pretty good at making people live longer. So I bet they feel pretty sheepish about picking 65 since 80 looks pretty achievable. And I am all for positive thinking, but there is no guarantee that you're going to make it to your magical retirement age. Sorry, it's not a fun thought, but this is the planet Earth, and things have a way of going wrong more often than we would like them to. What I'm getting at is that so much can go wrong in such a huge time frame. So let's base it off what the kids in 1947 were thinking. When I was born, people's life expectancy was somewhere between 71 and 74-ish. And if I were to set my magical retirement date at 73, that means I plan on smooth sailing for the next 50 years. Do you see how that plan is a little fantastical? Problems aside, chances are I will live beyond that anyway. So when I keep getting advice to save for retirement, all I hear is, don't buy that delicious expensive popcorn because you might possibly by chance be able to use it in 50 years. Frankly, I'll take the popcorn. Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings is a lot of movie. But here's the kicker. What are you going to do? Keep in mind that you had a job for the past few decades to keep you busy. Now that you're retired, you get to experience the tyranny of boredom. You know those hobbies you love? Well, first thing, half of them are off the table because you're too old to go rock climbing, hang gliding, bear wrestling, gator wrangling, or running. And then add to the fact that most of these hobbies were so much fun because you didn't do them all the time. So you'll burn through your favorites in about a year or two. And then you'll go out and find new ones, but you gotta be careful because a lot of hobbies have costs associated with them. Them, and you have limited funding. There is no such thing as a free paraglide. I found the tyranny of boredom to be all too real when my job didn't have any work for the summer and I wasn't in school. I tried all the time to find things to do, but boredom almost made me go bonkers. But hey, best of luck to you. I'm sure you're the exception to the rule that everyone talks about. All right, let's get real. Then what should we do? Well, first thing, goals are nice, but don't just pick an arbitrary number to retire at. You're going to stress yourself out, especially when you're 110 and you've been living 55 years past the retirement date. Just retire if you can. And if you really don't want to work, just work less. Eventually, you'll find a sustainable point. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. 
So am I supposed to retire or not? That's what I don't know. Interesting rant there, Bryce. So it's, uh, it really is. It's an interesting thing. I don't know that I would retire. Um, I just think I wouldn't call it retirement. I would call it vegging on the lazy boy. And what's wrong with that? So employment, how are you as an employee? Maybe none of it will matter. Maybe we'll never be able to retire ever in the future anyway. So if that's the case, maybe we ought to be pacing ourselves. I don't think so. We're going to be bringing in our expert, uh, our career coach, Jennifer Armitstead. She's coming in. She's going to give us the advice we need to make sure we are fully taking advantage of our current employment and setting ourselves up for future success. We'll be back after this break right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Technology that helped us get a good look at Mars is now helping save lives here on Earth. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. NASA space technology is moving closer to home in hospitals and doctor's offices around the country. Initially designed to process images of Mars taken in space, ArteriaVision software is now detecting heart disease in patients. Medical Technologies International patented the software in partnership with NASA. The ArteriaVision test is an ultrasound imaging technology that can detect if a patient is at risk for heart disease. The painless and non-invasive procedure takes an ultrasound of the neck. The software measures the thickness of the first two layers of the carotid artery wall. ArteriaVision testing is safe and relatively inexpensive, and it only takes about 15 to 20 minutes to complete. The test distinguishes between 256 different shades of gray to provide the most accurate resolution available for this type of testing. The procedure estimates the age of a patient's arteries. If the calculated age of the artery is much older than the patient's age, the patient is at risk for heart disease and can begin taking preventative measures. For Innovation Now, this is Crystal Browning. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. The long wait is over, and Cougar football is back on BYU Radio. First time in a long time. This Thursday, head coach Bronco Mendenhall and the Cougars open their season in the newly remodeled Lavelle Edwards Stadium as they take on Washington State and their new head coach, offensive wizard Mike Leach. All the way! Touchdown, Cougars! Pre-game begins at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time with kickoff scheduled for 10.15. Here on your home for Cougar sports, Sirius XM 143. BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, we are teaching and talking about how to uh, be a better employee, how to make sure if you're feeling like you're not quite uh, progressing in your organization, how we should go about doing that, because it really is an art and a science. There's probably a little science to it. We're bringing on our uh, career coach, Jennifer Armitstead, 
She's coached hundreds of people, and uh, she knows how to help people go to the next level, take their career to the next level. She's known for her unique ability to help people determine their personal brand, which might be an interesting little discussion, because that sounds like something we would only talk to, like, you know, I don't know, like a star, uh, and how to take their career into a whole new direction. Jennifer consults with companies um, on employee engagement and to recruit better and to retain their employees better. She's also the host of Job Club Radio, which we'll hear a little bit about. And also she's going to give you some information um, for where you can reach her and pick her brain because she's got a big brain that can help us all to move forward. So, Jen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Matt. You ready to teach us? Absolutely. Shouldn't it be that the hardest thing is just to get the job? And then after that, you should be able to veg until retirement. Yeah, that's what our grandparents taught us. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. I mean, really? Yes. Because we're moving through more careers than ever right now, aren't we? I mean, aren't we supposed to have – isn't the average person going to have like four careers or something? Have you heard that? Yeah. Well, and people who are right now, by the time they're 40, they're yeah. making 11 changes. Before 40? Before 40. Oh, see, you know that's messed up. Oh, yeah. They need better direction. <laughs> it's because like my, uh, my grandparents, they, they would have kept one job. You know, these were the Depression era. They kept their one job and they would ride that thing to the grave. Correct. Even if they didn't didn't like it. But we're not doing that anymore. No, we're not. And the funny thing is that's what our grandparents taught our parents, yes. and that's what they taught us. So now here we are in our careers, and the world's different. And Times wait a minute, that's not how we were raised, people. What are you doing to us? Isn't that funny? Because, of course, time's changing. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't think that your need for a career would change. But it's just how we do careers. It's what's expected. So mm-hmm. what is the environment for jobs today? Like what's what's happening that makes the need for change? Well, businesses are changing changing more rapidly than before. So our grandparents, there, there were very few options. There was kind of the manufacturing yeah. and then, you know, it'd be like construction or energy. medical or yeah, something. Yeah, right. Energy. Yeah, something like that. Where now new businesses are being developed all the time. I mean, well, on the course of this show, there'll be somebody who has some idea that goes, hey, yeah. Yeah. there's a next million dollar idea and they're scrolling it down on a piece of paper while they're driving home from work. So things are happening much faster. Yeah. And technology Mm -hmm. changes it now because now you don't even have to necessarily be in an office. Correct. I know so many ladies just that I work with as I do coaching that are working for big airlines at home, you know, Mm -hmm. checking people in and, and setting up appointments and stuff like that. So there's no more boundaries. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Now, those jobs, though, are different because in a way, I mean, how much can you schmooze and work your way up the ladder when you're working from home? Absolutely. I, you know, it's interesting because I've talked to a number of people who want to telecommute because they want that easy commute from their bedroom to the office, yeah. you know, in their pajamas. And flip flops. Absolutely. And so they – but then they miss out on getting to know people. And so they'll show up to the company's annual picnic and they look around and they're thinking, I don't know half these people. Right. Oh, no. You know, who, who are these folks? So yeah. actually one of my one of my best friends, she's a senior VP of something or another at a big bank out in San Francisco. And she purposefully travels on a quarterly basis Just to, get to, to go to the other main locations. But actually her team is spread out all over the United States. So there's people that she's worked with for five years on projects that are millions of dollars. Oh, man. And they've never even looked at each other in the eyes before. 
And they're your teammate. They're your teammate. And you're making critical, important decisions oh, about wow. business and about how systems and processes. And for them, they're creating um, computer like dashboards so the yeah. CEO can see how see much money they're making, going you know, on. things like that. Well, what, that's, that's scary, honestly, because then yeah. if, if nobody knows you, then how do they know really what you're doing? How do you define your value Well, in well things have changed. So now companies, if they're getting smart, they're basing things off of results as opposed to FaceTime. Yeah. So back in the day, you you would stand yeah. on the manufacturing line with your wrench in your hand. Right. As long as you're, you're on the cranking. line. Yeah, exactly. We see you here. You're on time. The buzzer hits and you better be at your spot. Yeah. And then the buzzer you know, goes and you grab your lunch bucket and you go to lunch and the buzzer comes again and you go back to work. Yeah. And, then the, you know, and so that's how people lived where nowadays we are dealing with emails at nine o'clock at night. We're taking calls from clients on a Saturday. There's all these things where our work-life balance is, it just doesn't exist. It doesn't. I, I tell people, if you're looking for work-life balance, then um, get the time machine and go back in yeah. time because it's not around anymore. It's not happening. Or mm-hmm. go to like a third world country, yeah, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I mean, it's because the bat, oh, it's just, it's too much. Right. It but really companies is too much. that focus on, I'm sorry, Matt, the companies oh. that focus on the results are the ones that are actually getting really good um, response and results ultimately yeah. from their employees. So your results then and your mm-hmm. ability to document your results, core. Correct. That's actually one thing I see on LinkedIn a lot or bio or uh, what are they called? Um, their profiles. Resumes and profiles. Mm-hmm. They, they're, it's much more about stating my results. I move. This sales department from 30% to 90% close ratio, blah, 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 and they mm-hmm. state their results. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's one thing is you're listening out there in audience land and you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I keep my career going? Make sure you're turning it, some of it at least, to, re- to results. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I guess the output of that is – People trust people that know how to do results. Well, sure, yeah, and Your value. And, the, and then it changes on the managers. Now the managers need to communicate the vision and the mission. Where are we going? What's the strategy behind this? Yeah. And so, if you have managers and executives, owners of companies who can't communicate that vision, yeah. then their employees don't know how to support that vision by doing certain types of work. Yeah. So then you're stuck in this really weird conundrum where you come on to a annual review or a mid year review, and how do I know whether or not you're doing a good job if I only see you a couple of times a month? See, those are so random. Like historically, these reviews, sure. every company does them too. Mm-hmm. But if they haven't set it up properly, and so I guess that's another thing is make sure as you're setting up your own review, this is your review. Correct. This is your moment to make sure your boss knows you're in the game and this is how you're in the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huge. There's a great, one of my favorite quotes, and I don't, I think I've used it on the show before, is um, superior performance fosters independence of action. So the better performer you are, the more free you are. Correct. You know what I mean? So the free agents that are really worth something are the ones that can show results. That's huge. Exactly. Absolutely. To your free agent, you know, the spieler going on earlier. For sure. I mean, if they're not hitting a ton of homers out of the park, they're not going to be as popular. And if you don't have that popularity and the results aren't there, then you're not going to get the big amounts of money. See. So, But they know the goal. They know the vision. The vision is articulated from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. We are going to be a series winning team or whatever it is, right? And so then they constantly communicate that. And so they know what their job, then they know how on their own to train, what weights to lift, what kind of stretches to do, what kind of um, additional coaching as they might need, et cetera, because yeah. they know the bigger picture. See, but these guys have teams around them, right? Like, right. like if I'm a pro athlete, I'm going to have a trainer. I'm going to have a doctor. I mean, depending on the athlete, you may have someone feeding you roids or steroids or you're going to have whatever. You're going to have all of these people around you. Now, what about just the average Joe that's out there in some you know, phone sales company who doesn't have all this feedback? 
How does he go start to create the sense of who he is? So, I mean, it's one thing to know your company vision. I guess you also have to know who you are and see how you connect in. Sure. Uh, earlier, you are mentioning uh, how I work with people to really define their personal yeah. brand. And I think that's a big piece of it. So a lot of us, um, unfortunately, will wake up in the morning. We'll throw, throw on our blinders like yeah. we're a, like a horse walking through a park, right? right. Put on these blinders. We're cruising along. We're plodding along, just doing whatever's right in front of us. Well, the reality is, is that eventually whatever's in front of us is going to come to an end or it may not be on a path that we want to be on. Right. And so that's where I'll engage with a lot of people who wake up one day in their career and they're saying, wait a minute, how did I get on this path? Oh, this was not yeah, where true. I wanted to go. And so it's interesting because then all of a sudden the blinders are pulled off and they're thinking, wait a minute, you know, what? A, this isn't where I intended to be. Right. And so then as I'm asking, I'm saying, okay, well, what's your personal mission statement? Who are you? What do you stand for? Uh-huh. When it's all said and done what do you want to be known for and it's crickets oh i know they can't answer the question they don't know how to answer the question and i just tell them wow that right there that's huh? the beginning of the problem how do you know that's the alice in wonderland thing right how so alice is walking down the path comes to a fork in the road asks the cat which way she should go mm-hmm. and the cat says i don't know where are you going and she's like, I don't know where I'm going. Then it doesn't matter what path you take. It doesn't yeah. matter what you do at your job mm-hmm. if you don't have a clue what you want to be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's then you, then that's when you see people making all these job changes. Mm-hmm. And it, I think what happens is that you don't know who you want to be when it's all said and done. So then an opportunity crosses your path. You're, for, you're looking at, let's say, two positions yeah. to our, our cat here, yeah. two positions that are in front of you. And you'd say, ah, this one's good. And often people will make the decision based on more money. This one's much more money. Yes. Yeah. This one's 10 grand more, That's 20 right. grand more. Plus I get a sweater. Yeah, totally. There you go. There's a parking spot or something, <laughs> yeah, right? right? And so they, they'll take that position and they think, well, this is great. Even mm-hmm. though I you know, maybe don't totally love the product yeah. or service, but it's more cash, yeah. which then later – they just kick themselves so many times saying, why you see did that, I take don't that? You? you see a All lot of times time. that they, they assume if you're a really good salesperson, you'd be a good sales manager. Mm-hmm. So then they make the salesperson a sales manager and you may be a horrible manager and you may just honestly right. – you may even be a great manager but you hate it. Mm-hmm. And it would have just been better to have a little less money. Or go maximize all your bonuses and make more money than your manager mm-hmm. and just do what you do really well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's so true because they'll, I see people do that all the time. There's kind of these parallel tracks. There's one people are doing the work and then mm-hmm. right alongside them there's the management track. And so you'll see people bounce from the the technical track over to the management track. Or oh. you know what I'm saying technical? Yeah. I mean it could be a, a technologist. Yeah. It could be a salesperson. A deli- whatever. Yeah, anyway, yeah. delivering something. Doing the work, mm-hmm. right. And then they'll bounce over to management again back to what our parents and our grandparents taught us at the dinner table. You want to move up. Get into management. Yeah. Be there forever. You won't. You will be untouchable. You can't. You won't get laid off. Isn't that well, that's ridiculous. It is. There is. This is the first time ever in the history of the United States that we have as many unemployed MBAs. Oh, this is the first time ever. And all the schools around here are still cranking out these MBAs. Oh yeah, MBAs. keep pumping out those you MBAs. Know, keep, keep doing it. You know. See, and the assumption is that um, the education or the uh, that all of these things are what make us. For example, salespeople, I've never seen someone more valuable than a really good salesperson. And honestly, there's a million jobs in sales. Mm -hmm. Even today, there's still more jobs in sales because if you can sell – so the irony is get good at what you're good at. And if you're good at what you really are good at and and if it's connected to a lifelong purpose, a mission, wow, you've now got something to connect to. When we Mm – we're going to take a break in a sec. And when we come back, I I want you to tell us, okay, how do we figure out what we are? How do we figure out where we should be? 
Um, are there any good books or stuff that people could be reading as well? And then just what are some more things that make us more valuable? What makes our stock go up? What uh, – I don't know. It's it just – it's so interesting to see the people – that I have certain people telling me how horrible and hard it is to get a job, and then I have other people turning down jobs left and right. There's something that's different between the two of them. Mm-hmm. So sure. uh, you ready for all that? That was a lot. That was a lot. You Jeez. might have to remind me. I think I'll forget. Anyway, Jennifer Armitstead's here with us, career coach. Jen, why, before we go, where can they find you? Uh, MovingForwardSolutions.com. And from there, you can get links to my radio show, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, all that jazz. You do it all. I do it all. I've got to do it if I'm going to teach people how to do it. Exactly. So, MovingForwardSolutions.com. We'll be back. MovingForwardSolutions.com. Back with Jennifer Armitstead right after this on The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Sirius XM 143. BYU Radio. Support for BYU Radio comes from Dex. Need something local and need it now? Dex has it. In the book at DexKnows.com or on your mobile phone. Current local info, reviews, and advice. Dex. Results for the here and now. Good afternoon. I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143. BYU Radio. Young and old are bonding over common ideals at the Republican National Convention. You're not at high school yet. No, I'm a, I'm a rising senior. Former Minnesota Governor Tim Babcock is 93, the oldest delegate here in Tampa. Evan Drame is the youngest, at 17. Being that young is great. <laughs> I can hardly remember it. When they met on the convention floor, the age difference melted away. we got a lot of confidence in Romney. He makes a lot of sense. Definitely. Babcock has been to 15 straight Republican conventions and forged a bond with a teen attending his first. You will get to Montana, boy. If I get to Montana, I'll give you a call. <laughs> Sagar Megani, Tampa. The economic recovery has been moderate this summer, according to new information from the Federal Reserve. The latest survey from the Fed again finds mixed signals on economic growth. Stock markets have been rallying, in part because of anticipation the Fed will take another shot at boosting growth. Economist Scott Brown says the Fed could show its hand at its mid-September policy-setting meeting. We'll have another employment report, the August numbers, um, by then. Uh, and at this point, I think you know the minutes of the previous meeting suggest that uh, another move was pretty close. The Fed wanted to see more data. More may come from Fed Chairman Ben Bernanke, who has a closely watched speech Friday in Jackson Hole. Mark Hamrick, Washington. A New York man has been given a tough sentence after pleading guilty to killing an eight-year-old boy. Levy Aaron, a 37-year-old hardware store clerk. Sorry about that. The menu for death row inmates has been the subject of a new study. Researchers at Cornell University say more than two-thirds of inmates facing execution. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are with Jennifer Armitstead, career coach extraordinaire. You can find out information about her at movingforwardsolutions.com. She really is the real deal. She puts together a podcast, uh, has tons of just 
great resources for you at that website. So I highly suggest you go see it. Now, Jennifer is trying to fill us in on, uh, as an employee, you know, times are changing. You're probably going to go through a lot more career moves than normal. Mm-hmm. And um, you got to know yourself. Undoubtedly. And what do we, what do we need to know? <laughs> well, the big thing is that you hear people often say, what's, what's your elevator pitch? Yeah. And I hate it when people have this very robotic 30 seconds. I am a person who enjoys to change Mm -hmm. the world. And yeah. Right. Exactly. And I'm I'm thinking you wouldn't ever say that to your family members at a barbecue. You wouldn't say that to a buddy that you bumped into. You haven't seen him in 20 years. Somebody you went to college with or something. Right. So it's good to have kind of something a little bit somewhat memorized, you know, but be comfortable enough about yourself that you can adjust it on the fly. Now, the elevator speech is Mm -hmm. say if you got in an elevator with somebody and you're right. heading to the third or fifth floor, and they said, so who are you? What do you do? Mm-hmm. You've got 30 seconds. Exactly. Nail your pitch. Right. Real. Right. And and the idea is, what if you happen to get in the elevator with the CEO or the president of the Big company? Dog. What are you going to say yeah. about yourself? And so that's – got to be ready at any given time I to like make that pitch. I like kittens and long pot walks in the park. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you say? But if you don't know – Do we have a kitten soundbite? So oh, I wish great. we did. We're not that fast here. But I like unicorns. And mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? You've right. got to know. So yeah. what are some th- – I guess a lot of this is just reflection. You've got to sure. be planning ahead and figuring mm-hmm. it out. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because otherwise you just – you're going to get pushed. People are going to push you on your values, your morals, what you want to mm-hmm. be, who you are. And you'll find out eventually. Mm-hmm. You just – it might be too late. Mm-hmm. Sure. And in the meantime, you've made a lot of bad decisions, hence a bunch of job changes yeah. because you bounced around and you didn't yeah. pick the right things. So – uh, I would say, first of all, start with the end in mind, right? You know, good old Covey. Good old Covey, go right? to the you end. Know? So start with that and then back your way back to today. Just unpack yourself and say, okay, wh- where am I at right now? And I, that's where I want to go. So I tell people, put a stake in the road. Work toward that. Yeah. Look, by the way, you can move that stake. So oh. if it's not totally working out, that's okay. Pick it up, move it over a couple of feet. That's you know? huge. Because so, every job can apply to the next job. Correct. Every job you it can. should. I mean, if, it's just spin. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we just look at all the lives of our politicians – all they've done is spin. So if they, I mean, part of this is I, I did. I had a job as an EMT on an ambulance. Then I wanted a job in the news, and I had a degree. I had a bachelor's degree in it. But so how do you move from an EMT to the news? Well, because I understood the scanners. I understood what the fire departments were saying. So I started working on a news desk. Mm-hmm. And then once you know the news desk, you know everything's going on at the news desk. Then I leveraged it into the next job and the next job. And Perfect. Now look at me. Yeah. So you've slowly moved that stake it over works. to the right. Little, little, little. But, you know, so you mm-hmm. had a, a consistent story. Sometimes yeah. I'll look at people's resumes and reviewing like their LinkedIn profiles. Yeah. And it's like reading some crazy, <laughs> like, you know, one chapter about yeah. a, a field mouse and the next chapter about some guy at the sea and then the next chapter about it's, some love story. It's yeah. like, wait, this is completely yeah. disjointed. So you have to look at your resume, take a step back and look at it and say, what story am I telling about myself? Mm -hmm. And if you're all over the road, it is too hard for people to understand how to work with you at their new company. Where do you fit? Mm -hmm. But see, now now check that out. That's huge. Because if you write your story based on a principle, I am service oriented. For example, yes. Then you can have, there's five jobs that could be all disparate, all varied, Mm -hmm. but they all connect to service. Mm Isn't that huge? Yeah. Then, then you're selling service. I am Matt Townsend. I am service oriented. Perfect. Yes. I value people. Right. And so I thought this and this and this job would help me connect to people. Yeah. Isn't yeah. That interesting. For sure. Because then you can really tell the story. You can talk and then turn the interview from this really stressed kind of awkward conversation yeah. to 
let's just get rid of that whole stressful and let's just talk. Let's talk about what's going on at your company. What are the challenges that are going on here? And you start finding out that coworkers aren't getting along and you start realizing that people are very um, selfish and, and centered on themselves. Mm-hmm. And so then you start realizing, well, you know, if people are that way, then they're not very service oriented people. Right. And so you start seeing how the unique value that you bring to the table of being a quote unquote service oriented person, then you really have something to give and to add. Now, inside a business, let's say you're already mm-hmm. in the company. Okay. And I'm just trying to, I don't want to schmooze. I mean, whatever we call it, I don't want to be the suck up. I don't, but I want to be seen as valuable by my boss. I don't want to wash his car and go pick up his laundry, but I do <laughs> want to make sure that he knows I'm team player. How do we do that? How should we be focusing on our relationship with our boss? So let's use that example of a service oriented yeah. person. Is that yeah, cool? That's great. Okay. So if you're, if you're basically saying, you know what, when my life's done, when it gets to the end, what do I want to be known for? I want to be known for being genuinely service focused. Okay. So then I would say, if you want to stand out, look for a service opportunity that maybe you can introduce to your team. So let's say you've had a parent that's passed away from cancer or you've had um, some sister that's had cystic fibrosis. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, something, yeah. pick some crazy medical issue, right? And say, let's do a team and training and raise money for this. Love and it. so that way you champion it. You go to your boss and you propose it and say, I'd like to do this. And by the way, we'd like the company to sponsor this. So as we're running down the road, we're going to have the company logo on our backs of yeah. our T-shirts. We're all going to be tweeting about it, Facebooking yeah. about that we're working for XYZ company. And our company is so awesome because they support us to go and do this. Yeah, that's so and proactive. So that's it's, great. Totally. And so that way it combines you getting the opportunity to get um, – really attention in the company, right. right? And standing up for something that's good and helpful, but it's also congruent with your brand and what you want to be known for. Love that. So yeah. those can, but that takes a little bit of thinking and yeah. so I'm sorry people. You know when you get in your car and you're driving <laughs> home and you're thinking, "Dang it, I got to stop and get a gallon of milk yeah. on my way home." You know, just chill out for a second, turn off the music, you know, just relax and just stop and think, "Well, what's something I could do in the next month?" That would be congruent with what I want to do. Car thinking time is one of the best oh, times. Oh, I love that. Oh, it's so good. I do my best sleeping in the car nice. when I'm driving. Nice. Well, that's not it's, all of us have a driver, Matt. Well, I don't. I actually am driving when I'm doing. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but that, you know, we have straight roads here in Utah, so you just—it's always straight. <laughs> good luck with that. As long as I keep my wheels straight, I just go straight. Um, isn't that interesting? Because as you think about. Um, I wanted to be a trainer at the biggest training company in the country. And so I just volunteered. I knew that. I knew that going into this company. But I didn't start there. I started in this one position I hated. And not to not to badmouth it. But I I went and trained. I went and networked with the HR department. And then I went in and begged them to let me teach a class to all the new hires about – Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which was the company. Mm-hmm. We were at Franklin Covey. And they loved it. Free labor from mm-hmm. an employee. So it's giving back. Mm-hmm. And because I went in there, schmoozed them, I lost a lunch every week. Uh, two hours I went and dedicated. Got permission from my boss. He loved it because now I'm partnering with the company. And I taught. I taught. And about nine months in, the, a brand new recruiter for the company who was recruiting trainers – saw me train in the new hire orientation, and he gave me a shot to try out as a trainer. But it never would have happened if I hadn't known and then networked Mm -hmm. and then dared 
to push my agenda. Mm-hmm, absolutely. But you sometimes you tick people off when you push your agenda. Well, you can for sure. I mean, you you can't. I don't be, like those people. Well, yeah, you have to really pay attention to body language, yeah, right? You know, right. and and the key thing too, I'll see people go, they'll talk to their boss at like the most inopportune time. Yeah. It's like, what are you thinking? Are you busy? Yeah. The CEO you know, and right they're there. like, ah, and their <laughs> hair is pulled out in 20 directions. And you always know that the fourth week of the month is a bad week for them. Yeah. They've got reports due, da, 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 da. Like, just don't even go and present it right then. They're just not clued in, are they? Yeah, exactly. So be aware is what mm-hmm. you're saying. Be sure. aware of what's going on in the environment. Know mm-hmm. when your boss is happy. Know when mm-hmm. they're not. Mm-hmm. Huge. For sure. Yeah. Attend the meetings. You answer think? questions. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> be on time. Get good results. What mm-hmm. else? What else should we be doing to make our stock go up? Well, I think one thing you can look at today is so important for companies to hire the right people. So pay attention to what openings are in your company and really look at True. people that you know. I'm a big proponent of going and getting involved in networking groups. Yeah. It's a great way to grow yourself professionally and personally. So let's say, for example, you're the service-oriented sales manager. Go and find some networking group that's related to customer service, sales, something like that. You know, there, right. There's always professional organizations. Go and pay attention and see who seems like a pretty top-notch person. Get to know that person. Take them out to lunch once in a while. Yes. Pay attention to the openings in the company. And then that way you can make a suggestion and say, hey, you know, Sally Sue in HR, I've been talking to this guy over here. He's fantastic. Well, that's huge. And HR loves that. They totally do. They totally that, do. Now they know who to blame if this guy goes wrong. For sure. <laughs> now, it really is powerful yeah. because it saves them money. Mm-hmm. Even if they throw you a little money for mm-hmm. doing that or whatever, mm-hmm. that's powerful. Plus... Sure. Again, you just get deeper into the company. You have more yeah. vested in. Mm-hmm. I love that. Because you're not going to recommend somebody that's Mm-mm. bad. You're always going to recommend somebody that will help you to look good. So you're yeah. building a legacy right around you of people who are doing well. And then you're also going to be invested in that person's success. So you are going to reach out to that person week one saying, all right, let's get out to lunch. I want to introduce you to so-and-so over in accounting and so-and-so over in distribution because yeah. these are the people who are going to help make your life easier when you're out there selling our product. What if I'm too afraid to do all this? Like, what if I really too afraid? Well, I would really do a gut check and find out why are you afraid. Yeah. For most people, find it's they just don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So that's when they need help, right? So then they'll reach out to the career coaches of the world, the life coaches, whatever it is. They'll go to somebody and get some kind of help. Yeah. Because really, I mean, I look back at the things that why I was scared to do, but then I, then I got the help. Yes, and then it wasn't that. so hard. You know, like the technical things that we have access to all the time. I remember the first time I had a cell phone, I'm like, what do I do with this thing? And now I'll leave the house without my purse, but make sure I always have my cell yeah, phone with me. Yeah, I won't even dress. I'll just carry my phone. As long as I've got my phone, I'm safe. You're good. It's like Emperor's new clothes. That's right. Nice, exactly. man. I like it. It's a good book. <laughs> it really is. Um, it's the fear thing, I think, kills us, doesn't mm-hmm. it? And fear and then kind of ignorance. Mm-hmm. Like we get caught in the river and we just keep going down the river. Sure. Yeah. But eventually. You're going to miss yeah. your exit. You're uh, going to miss totally. your spot yeah. that you need to get. Yeah, and you might just you know crash against some massive rocks or something along the way. And so, so true. Yeah, so if you're really saying, okay, I just don't know how to do this. Mm-hmm. So setting maybe your pride aside a little bit too and then asking for help. Well, and they can get help from you as easily as just following your Twitter feed. You're mm-hmm. just listening to you. Mm-hmm. Going to, you. You're going to give them a half hour of content mm-hmm. a week. Yeah. Seriously. Sure. Like that's easy. Mm-hmm. Who can't listen? I know. Yeah. And if you've got an, you've got iTunes or if you don't, get it. <laughs> There's this thing. Have you heard of the Download. internet? Yeah, exactly. The internet's totally cool. full of stuff mm-hmm. too. And mm-hmm. they can go to your website and read articles. I mean really, Harvard Business Review, there's some incredible articles in there sure. just about – and by the way, your bosses are probably reading these things. 
What if you brought a really good article to your boss Mm -hmm. addressing the issue exactly that you're all suffering? Mm -hmm. So when you see an issue, find an opportunity. Hey, I just found this article. It's just something I always read, Harvard Business Review, Mm -hmm. Not even if you don't. And then bring in the article. I mean, that means so much to a boss, even if they never read it. Mm -hmm. You cared enough to think about him. Correct. Got your back. Yeah. I always think if you want to be helpful to somebody, remember the two I's, information and introductions. Okay. So an introduction would be recruiting somebody, right? Yeah. And introducing to the company, or it could be introducing somebody to a new customer yeah. or something like that. Excellent. Um, and then information, the other one. So the articles, Brain right? So, data. but then that means you got to pay attention. You can't yeah. just be like, no. like, oh, this article looks pretty good. Let yeah. me just throw it on his desk and highlight a couple. No, pay attention. Be thoughtful about the information well, that you no. will present, and don't complain. No. If you're a complainer <laughs> in the company, you're the problem. You think, yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. these and because you can just see them all complaining, mm-hmm. then be different. Mm-hmm. Quit For it. Sure. Quit change. Do something. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, there's a fine line of of complaining, but then also saying, you know, I'm seeing that we're constantly having this problem with these vendors. Da da da. Yeah. I have this idea. And so then, like you recognize, yeah. you point out the the problem, and then you say, these there's a couple of ideas that I have. And so then your boss goes, hey, that's pretty cool. Yep. And so then you kind of let your boss maybe choose between the two or a hybrid of both or you know, whatever it is. And then that way you're, you're being honest and you're being forthright about a problem and a challenge, but you're also using your brain power to come up with something helpful. Love it. And then, yeah, then it sounds less like a complaint. It's mm-hmm. just here's yeah. a suggestion or yeah. here's some options. I guess, too, that would demand uh, mature managers. And what would you just suggest to somebody that's working under some – leadership or manager that doesn't have a vision, that's really reactive, that isn't as on the game, that isn't as accepting of your feedback. Yeah. So, well, I would do a gut check because it may very well not be the right place for you to be. Yeah. Right. So it's time to really the writings on the wall. The person's probably not going to change. It's time to open your own company. Yeah. Start competing. <laughs> exactly. Start Take the customer competing. list and run. It really, you know, it's funny because one of my favorite shows is The Office. Yeah. I mean, like seriously, I don't know why I relate to. That. I think people think I look like Michael Scott, which I think is rude. But um, I really, it's fascinating to me, isn't it? Because you see real life. Mm-hmm. I mean, the reason that's funny mm-hmm. is because you've all been there. Mm-hmm. Right. You've had somebody with a boss like that. that oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. You totally see it. and Or the coworkers, right? Even uh-huh. if we didn't have a boss just like that, it's mm-hmm. like, how is that guy still working here? Seriously. For sure. And so I think that there's going to be a certain element where you just finally say, okay, enough's enough. And, and just move on.com, right? Just get on out yeah. of there, right? Which is and why so, your website's called Moving Forward Solutions. There you go. we're moving wow. forward. One other thing about it, I guess, is um, sometimes you don't know you need to move mm-hmm. until you're well beyond when you should have moved. <laughs> it's kind of like that's it's when the lagging indicators finally catch up and beat you up. Yeah. But so I guess one of the things to start doing is too is looking down the road, like mm-hmm. anticipating. Mm-hmm. One of the great gifts, I guess, is anticipating the future and the need mm-hmm. of the future. Right. So paying attention. Mm-hmm. I think going to conferences are great because yeah. you can really get some really good information. What are our competitors? Um, maybe even companies that would be um, cooperatively competing, competing with us. You know, mm-hmm. what are they talking about? What's going on out there? And networking even uh-huh. with your competitors mm-hmm. while you're out there, mm-hmm. or right. the people you're supplying to providing. Sure services for. Yeah. That yeah. way, yeah. I mean, that's where you're going to have more natural segues to other mm-hmm, jobs. Mm-hmm. Sure. So you'll have that. And, and maybe sometimes you're thinking, well, uh, th- you know, these companies, these competitors are in Chicago or or Miami or something that's yeah. outside of your immediate area. And I don't want to move the family. You don't necessarily have to, right. but you can provide a lot of value back to your employer.
better by saying, hey, this is what's going on. This is the trend that's happening out there. And um, I always like the Wayne Gretzky thing, right? Too, yeah. You know, skates where the puck is going, not where it's at. Isn't that funny? And, and I guess don't shut doors. I mean mm-hmm. – it's like almost every yeah. Well, I don't want to do that because they're in Chicago. And look, you don't even have the job yet. Don't shut the Chicago door <laughs> till you even know if you want the job, have the job, or if there is an even is a job. But it's so interesting. We are so quick to shut off mm-hmm. options. Mm-hmm. Even just yeah. mentally, huh? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Because yeah. oh. people think this is going to be more complicated. And I'm yeah. already busy. I've, I've got I don't work. Move. I have a spouse, kids. Yeah. And if you're active in any kind of church, you yeah. might have some kind of a calling. What about my dog? Community stuff. Yeah, the dog. The exactly. dog's got to yeah. go to a park. And that grass keeps growing in the lawn. Dang it. You know, and so it's I think so that, true. you know, when you put all this together, people are overwhelmed. So the last thing they want to do is update their resume. The last thing they yeah. want to do is call up somebody and say, hey, man, I'm looking for a job. Yeah. Jennifer Armitstead, you rock. Thanks. You rock too. I, I have a feeling you're going to get a good job. <laughs> I, I think better. you already have a good job, don't you? <laughs> that's Jen- why I'm called Super Career Girl, my friend. I, that's on. right. Super Career Girl <laughs> is here, for heaven's sakes. You can find Super Career Girl at movingforwardsolutions.com. And then when you're there, you'll be linked to everything in the world. If you, By the way, if you Google Jennifer Armitstead and then just look for images, there will be like 5,000 pictures of her. <laughs> I don't know if that's Crazy. good or bad, but you're all over the place. I don't think place. those are authorized. I'm oh, yeah, sure. aren't they? It's crazy. Good stuff, Jen. Good having you here. We'll have you back to pick your brain on more uh, career opportunities. Thanks Thank so you, much. Matt. You're awesome. Appreciate you. Okay, folks, we'll be back. One more segment of Career Help on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Sirius XM 143. BYU Radio. Rocket-launched parachutes are making flight safer for pilots and passengers. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. In the mid-1970s, a young man named Boris Popov was hang gliding when things suddenly took a bad turn. Some 400 feet in the air, his glider broke apart and spun out of control as he plummeted toward a lake. As he fell, Popoff realized that if he had only had some kind of parachute, he could have been saved. Luckily, Popoff survived the crash. He went on to develop parachute systems that could soften the fall of entire airplanes. Ballistic Recovery Systems, or BRS, first installed the parachutes on hang gliders and ultralight aircraft. NASA helped mature the parachute material and deployment technology through contracts with BRS. Soon, the company had rocket-propelled systems that could support even larger and heavier general aviation aircraft. With more than 30,000 systems sold, some of the world's most popular small aircraft, like the Cirrus SR-20 and SR-22, now feature ballistic recovery systems as standard equipment. As of today, more than 250 lives have been saved with this rocket-propelled parachute technology. For Innovation Now, I'm Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. BYU's record label, Tantera Records, has recorded some of the best musical performances both on and off BYU's campus. 
Join host Ron Simpson for behind-the-scenes musical exclusives and intimate outtakes. Tune into the Tantera Hour with Ron Simpson, weekdays at 10 a.m. at 8 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Hey, everybody. We're back to the Matt Townsend Show, and we've been talking uh, with Jennifer Armitstead, just the the career queen, I think is what she likes to be called, Her Excellency. And uh, good stuff, good information. Think about it, Have, and I hope you took it all in. Are you doing what you need to be doing? You don't need to do everything. You just need to take the ideas that she gave you that matters to you, the ones that are going to take you to the next level in your job, in your relationships at work. Uh, now, before we do this, um, the job market, you know, job market obviously looks a little bleak out there. And there's nothing more on the minds of our recent college gradu- uh, graduate uh, children, I guess, what do they call them, grads, then jobs. But there might be a bright light at the end of the tunnel. Sure, unemployment's not as catastrophically bad as it's been in other parts of history, but it's been stuck at that annoyingly high figure for just long enough, very long time, especially for a young person. And I must admit it's beginning to shake our confidence. Uh, it's been especially tough for some of my non-college-bound friends who are just they're trying really hard just to support themselves. And it's just, just so disappointing to see how frequently they have to call home for financial help. I have this friend who was only getting a few hours a week working at a car wash and one day he just looked out the window and he just moaned, you know, I just don't think I'll ever be able to support a family. Disappointing for the young, disastrous for the poor middle-aged people who have actually lost their jobs and are really are struggling to support families. And for the sake of their sanity, I'm glad they didn't read the New York Times article I saw back on August 18th. It says jobs are coming back from China. Companies are cutting down their shipping costs by producing products here in America because they found a really Cheap source of labor. Let me read you a paragraph. It says, in one factory, an automated manufacturing system initially costs 250000 It replaces two machine operators, each earning $50,000 a year. And over the 15-year lifespan of the system, the machines yielded $3.5 million in labor and productivity savings. Yep, Isaac Asimov's future world where robots do all the dull jobs is coming true. Except instead of creating a life of leisure and relaxation for everyone, it creates a life of leisure and relaxation for nobody. When a person's out of work and living in a relative's basement, it's hardly Asimov's vision of a life of leisure. And you think life's good for the factory owner because he makes all the money? You know how annoying it is to fix your computer when it starts having problems. Imagine having to run around constantly and fix a factory full of robots who run on that same computer software. On the upside, though, if robots can do a job... Is it really a job anyone would want to do anyway, like uh, snapping plastic lids on salad containers all day, every day? I'd rather just be unemployed. And you remember that guy last year who did that expose on how poorly Foxconn treated its Chinese workers at the factory that makes iPods? Yeah, I know it turned out Mr. Daisy made up most of the story, but suddenly I don't feel so bad when I read the headline, Foxconn plans to install three million robots. And, of course, Foxconn's not saying how many workers will end up getting fired, but come on, that's huge. But if a robot can do a job, chances are workers are probably getting treated like robots. That is to say, being treated poorly. 
The New York Times article also has a good thought. At what point is Paul Bunyan replaced by the chainsaw? Because we've been here before. In 1870, three out of four people, three out of four people in this country worked in agriculture. If I told President Rutherford B. Hayes that a day was coming when farms were so mechanized only 2% of Americans worked in agriculture, well, he'd think the world was coming to an end. Today, robots are taking over manufacturing. Microsoft Office and Google Calendar are replacing secretaries. In this business, Spotify and Pandora are taking over music radio. And each incremental change eliminates thousands of jobs. And it sounds disastrous. I'm no economist, but I, I stop and think about how much America has changed since the 1870s. President Hayes, well, you couldn't even describe your job to him because the industry you work in probably didn't even exist back then. So why is that still not true today? The Internet is revolutionizing everything, but really, do you think we've even begun to tap into its potential? I was just watching a BBC documentary this morning about 3D printers, which turns out are not sci-fi. They, they really are real. And uh, engineers at Airbus use it to print parts for the A380. And then for fun, they were the first ones to print a bicycle, and then they took it out and actually rode it. Now, imagine if you could print your own stuff at home or start your own business or – I don't know. It's just one idea. Of course, 3D printers would be bad news for UPS and FedEx. But, hey, they're starting to automate their warehouses anyway. I guess my message to frustrated workers and young people like me is we might just be on the tip of something really, really big, a future that could lift employment for the entire world. Well, I certainly hope so. Gosh, the future of employment by Rob Sanders. Appreciate that, Rob. Um, it really, times are changing. I, I've heard, I'm not sure, uh, that this Internet thing's going to be around for a while. And in fact, during the break there, I was just talking to Jennifer about um, tweeting, and she was scolding me for uh, being tweeter dysfunctional. Dysfunction tweet, they call me here on the show. But I, I mean, it's interesting, just the power of the, of the power of Twitter and the power of Facebook at getting a job. I did have a friend who uh, was an, um, he was actually an HR director. Lost his job, actually moved to our state, lost his job two weeks after he moved here for another company. They got bought out. But within two weeks, he had the job of a lifetime that came by finding the job. He found the job on some board, some message board. And then he found somebody in the neighborhood that worked at that place, called him and said, I need you to turn in my resume. They turned in the resume and boom, this guy is now the vice president of HR for a huge multi-billion dollar company and is loving it. And by the way, has hired in our neighborhood four-ish different people for senior vice president kind of level jobs. So it is who you know. And out there, use the technology you've got, your friends, your relationships. In the end, we're going to find out, I think, it all comes down to relationships. What's it like to be in a relationship with you? Can, as you sit there and think about everybody in your circle of influence, how, how effective of a friend are you? Are there jobs where you're located uh, where you could give the people in your life a little leg up? If so, I challenge you to do that. Also challenge you to get a, get a better clue of what you want to be on your 90th birthday. What do you want everybody to say about you? 
Do you want them to say, whoa, you're still alive? Or would you rather that they just say, seriously, this guy looked out for my career. I appreciate that. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening to us again. We're here Monday through Friday. We'd love to do anything we can. And that's the goal of BYU Broadcasting is to help you see the good in life. It's not all bad, folks. There is hope. Thanks for listening to the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back tomorrow right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo. Today's Thinking Aloud originally aired earlier this year. The following is a production of BYU Broadcasting in cooperation.